You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome, friends. This is Yoga Magic. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so glad you're here. We talk about self-care and self-discovery on this show. Today we're talking about language, and I think this is the first time we've really discussed language. We've talked about the voice, but truly the conscious decision or maybe even subconscious decision about what words we put out of our mouth has a lot of impact in our life. And we get to talk about that with our guest, Jeffrey Lester, today. I'm super excited for you to hear from him. We are now in Virgo season, everybody. We have made that leap from Leo to Virgo, from fire to earth, and it feels kind of good, not going to lie. I always get a little tired at the end of the summer, and I just, I love a routine. Virgo energy is about that routine, that ritual. It's about the details. It's about getting into the things that, you know, make us feel organized and ahead of the game. And like, if that's not back to school energy, I don't know what is. It's lists, it's new backpacks, it's dentist appointments. (laughs) It feels so good. So, you know, if that's something you're looking to take on right now, it's the perfect time. Be honest with yourself. What practices, rituals do you actually want to carry into your new school year, new work year, whatever it is, um, and let those other things go, right? It's not self-care if it doesn't feel good. So friends, we got some fun things happening here in the yoga magic space, in the internet of the world. (laughs) We're, I'm going to step away. I say we as if there's another person here. It's just me, let's be honest. And I'm stepping away from events over the next couple of months because I'm working on some very special offerings from you. Lots of content, Um, a mini course and a full course later in the year on cosmic self-care. I'll be doing some cosmic self-care readings on the show. I have a number of guests who signed up who are willing to let me read their chart on air and talk about how they can use self-care in their everyday, in their regular existence based on their astrological chart. So I hope that gives you a little taste of my area of interest, my area of genius, it's again combining astrology and self-care. And so, yeah, we won't be doing a ton of events, more um, just community building. Hopefully you have lots of content that can help you navigate your self-care from this show, from my Instagram. Make sure that you're on my email list because I like to send out lots of self-care tips and just the energy that's happening in the stars at the moment. 
um, things that are working for me. If you want to get on my email list, go ahead and head into the show notes and click on the link. When you sign up, you will get a cosmic self-care guide for your morning routine. Just different ideas for morning practices that you can take on based on your astrological chart, on your sign. So hit that up. And yeah, hopefully that, you know, this show fills you with ideas. That's really my goal. It just gives you tons of different ideas of ways to nurture yourself because that is the, that's the goal, everybody. We got to be full so that we can take care of our families and sometimes navigating which practices to land on can be a lot. Um, So I hope that you, you have inspiration. I feel like I'm rambling today, maybe a little bit. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Okay. Before we get to our interview with the amazing guest i want to thank to our show sponsor interval interval is a new sponsor and i'm really excited to be working with them as a yoga teacher when i made this switch to online teaching for a long period of time in the pandemic i noticed it was just a lot to navigate teaching on zoom sending out email reminders registering all the things and interval does all of that for you i really love this platform for making it really easy as a teacher Um, So more information on Interval in the show notes and sign up if you are a yoga teacher and you're looking just to integrate everything together. Let's get to our guest, friends. It's time. Today's guest, Jeff Lester, is a yoga and meditation teacher, and he's helping us break down the importance of language. Today, we talk specifically about conflict language and the words that we're putting out of our mouth that really say a lot about what's happening in our subconscious and how we can switch that, how we can truly use our language to manifest, to make things happen, to put things into motion. Jeff has a book called Hefe Living Guide to Inner Wisdom, and it's a 30-day meditation journal to help you connect with really consistent meditation and journaling. If you want to grab that book, make sure to check it out. And Jeff is very generously giving away two copies, a digital and a physical copy. So if you want to take advantage of that, hit me up, follow me on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast, send me a DM and let me know that you're interested in the book. And we'll make sure that Jeff gets that out. I'll, if we get a ton of people that are excited and interested, I will just draw names and we'll get them out to you. So thanks, Jeff. And thanks for teaching us so much about language and how this plays a really big role in our life and can, is like the ultimate self-study is to pay attention to what words are coming out of our mouth. Um, okay, so let's get to this episode, Jeffrey Lester on conflict language. Welcome, Jeff. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I've been really, I've been thinking a lot since we touched base a couple weeks ago about language and just the things that you work in. And I've been just catching myself thinking differently. And I know that the listeners are going to feel the same way. So before we get into all of it, can you tell everyone who you are and just really where your area of genius is? Well, first of all, great to be here with you and connecting with you and your listeners. And I really have the intention of sharing this genius, as you put it, of inspiring others to connect more with their words. Because as we talked earlier, that is something that is very much on the forefront of my mind of what I want to share. And so my journey is very much rooted in my own self-development and my self-work, and then translating that on, passing it on to others. And a big part of that is yoga and teaching yoga. So the Yoga Magic podcast could not think of a better place to be and sharing <laughs> that magic and how, how really the practice of yoga and the global context of yoga 
which I referred to as OG self-development as like the primordial way of developing ourselves and getting to know our true self, connecting in with how our words influence our being. And so that's been very, uh, very exciting for me to share about, as you can tell, over the last years and bringing that into workshops and yoga teacher trainings around the world and online. For me, a big part of my journey was getting out of home and going to university. And I went on a big weight loss transformation as the first, as like the first cracking of the shell of my self-development. And when I did that, I started to create new ideas about myself and what's possible for myself. And really long story short, that got me into yoga after several years of pursuing self-learning and self-development and being very curious about it. Yoga found me or I found yoga, however we want to frame that. And from then, it's been, been very much the thing that I've wanted to share with people and connect people with. And when I say yoga, I very much mean the whole package, the whole like lifestyle embodiment and connecting with ourselves as we are and learning to grow from that, uh, creating very good fertile soil for ourselves to grow from. I like how you say it may be found you, you may be found yoga. Cause I think it sort of has its own consciousness in itself, right? Like yoga as the eight limb path is so much bigger than even just the word itself. And obviously we're going to talk a lot about language, yes. but I love that. So when you started practicing yoga and you went through this journey of, of transformation, like what did that feel like for you? Was it painful or was it just like, heck yes, this is great. I feel like sometimes people have different experiences with their, you know, that journey, that initial journey. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love, I love the opportunity to put a yes to two questions. Uh, well, pain, like painful as in there's ups and downs to this, uh, to this life, this human being experience. And one of the, and I got a, a wonderful story for you is I did go on that weight loss journey. It was epic. I mean, I've, I've kept off over a hundred pounds for wow. close to 10 years now. And that wasn't, a, you know, it's, it sounds really straightforward. And at the same time, there's been lots of ups and downs and lots of self-growth within that. And for me, part of the process has been re recognizing what really is the present moment. And yoga is very much connecting into the present moment. So I remember going through a phase of wanting to read my way into happiness and reading lots of self-development books and trying to understand some of the underpinnings of discontent within my being. And while I've always expressed uh, exuberance and enthusiasm for life, it, it doesn't always feel that way inside. And I went through a phase for, and you know, still have phases of wanting to understand what is showing itself to me and my emotional experience and my experience of life. And early on in my early 20s, a lot of that was about starting to understand psychology, self-development, um, reading a lot of books on mindset and human optimization without really connecting with it. Mm. And I remember very specifically having a moment of, I've read at this, at this point dozens of these books and seeing many of the through lines and still feeling that I was missing something. And because this is the quintessential looking outward for something that wants to be filled inside, wants to be satiated right. inside of me, right? 
And I remember I was in the living room with my dad and I remember telling him about the books I was reading. And I said, you know, there's the commonality of most of these books say how valuable it is the present moment, how valuable it is to be present. And my dad said, well, the present moment is everything. And in in that moment, I said, well, what's so special about the present moment? I'm here, aren't I? And when I said that, I made a gesture of like sweeping my hands over my body with the, with the, with the understanding at that point that the present moment is if my body's here, how could I not be present? And then if at that Mm. point, if you asked me, if you asked me what healing was, I would have said, you get a bruise, it goes away, you healed. You get sore muscles from exercise that goes away, you healed. You get a scratch, it goes away, it heals. So I was not yet understanding the full implications of different aspects of my being. So I was very much connected with the physicality of me and my body and without really understanding and being a, being an observer and connected with the present moment as it is from a place of an observer, like mm-hmm. really noticing that, hey, if I'm off doing shopping, but really I'm supposed to be meditating or I'm practicing meditation and I'm thinking about the, the things I need to do for work or the day ahead, then I'm not there. I'm right. not present with the experience happening in me. And so it came to light and I, you know, the being overweight and the weight loss transformation is its own story of growing up in a very toxic, emotionally toxic household and food really was the way I coped with that. So I had a very dysfunctional relationship with eating and with food. And while there was a lot of drug abuse going on in the household, I turned to food in order to not feel mm. the, the, the emotions that were presented to me. And I, and I say this to all of us, that this is very much under an understanding from retrospect and doing the work and looking back and saying, okay, now I can really connect with and understand myself better. And I would mm-hmm. be aware as I'm doing it. And there's nothing more painful than being unconsciously triggered and, and being the observer of, of ourselves playing out the behavior as we're doing it, because everything in the rational mind is like, what are you doing? We don't want to do this. And yet the much heavier emotional body is, ta- is you know, we're lost to the current of that river, so to speak. And so I started to see yoga as so much more than the fitness mm-hmm. that I first started practicing for, and so much more as an opportunity for me to really heal uh, and really come to a better understanding and come to terms with my past and, and the climate. So much of our past is what is contributing to the current story we tell ourselves. And up until then, I had told, the, told myself the story of, you know, the, the things concerning my mother's passing away, um, my uncle's suicide, that that was like a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It was like people couldn't really understand me if they didn't understand that pain or if they didn't understand that. And while I had that there, I was unwilling to express it. And so going into simply verbalizing our challenges in the world, nothing is more powerful to me that I've experienced in, in working with lots of people over years the healing that happens when we, one, write things down for ourselves. So journaling practice is huge for me. And say it. Say it to somebody we're, we're comfortable with, we trust. Or find a space that we feel really safe in. And for me, it was at this point, fast forward, 
I joined the yoga teacher training because I fell in love with the yoga practice and I fell in love with, well, I had been training and teaching people in fitness and boot camp and indoor cycling classes and everything like that. I wanted now to teach yoga and I was enthralled and still am about everything that that has to offer. And within that training, we had the opportunity to share and to be open and vulnerable. Vulnerability is a whole nother uh, through line I can go into. And I remember some of these opportunities to share and, and the very, the beautiful, brave, um, courageous brothers and sisters that I had in that training, sharing some of the, you know, difficult things that happened in their life and being witness that. And, it, and when it would be someone else's turn, I'd feel my heart start thumping really hard in my chest. And, and I would run the story of, okay, um, you know, I, I'm okay with what I've got. Let somebody else tell their story. And it was one of those things was like super heightened awareness of my physiological experience in that moment of what my body is trying to tell me that, you know, this wants to come out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I pulled away um, one of my best friends to this day and we connected after one of the training sessions. And I just, uh, I just unraveled. Like I told her everything that I would have said in front of the group. And for me, that was, that was a better opportunity. Like that was, mm -hmm. that was what was safe for me. And one of the things that really landed for me in that moment is how big we can make things on the inside. And the field of mind is so expansive when we are um, caught in stories in our head and it's looping around and around. And then when that comes through, and if I speak it, it automatically condenses into so much more clearly and accurately the reality of the experience unless the dramatization of it. And so it was just a simple, it was a very cathartic experience of sharing those things with my mm -hmm. uh, beautiful, beautiful sister and a release. And I felt the, the lightness that came from that. And so these are the early experiences for me of starting to connect with one sharing uh, the power of our words. And ever since then, it's been a journey of going deeper in, into my own personal studies and my own personal evolution. A lot of that has been letting go of the idea that I know things and then unlearning so much of that. So that's, that's for me, uh, in a nutshell, the process of, is it painful, the tra <laughs> transformation? Yeah. Or is it always light and airy? And to be honest, it's both. Like the answer yeah, is yes. Is like both. I've had, I've had, um, tremendously, um, you know, experiences of elation through yoga practice and the insights that come are amazing. And then when it's time to be vulnerable and really step into messy stuff, that's scary. And that, that can be difficult. And especially when the ego is wrapped into a counter story that, that it's like, like it's very life, the, that part of our ego, it's very life is dependent on keeping that story alive within us. And in the moment we bring it out into the world and get more clarity on it, it, it dies and we get the, the freedom, the, the newfound freedom from that as well. So there's a, there's an answer to that. <laughs> no, I love it. And I, I'm glad that you set this up because I think it does. I mean, this is this whole show, right? This is this idea that we find that practice of yoga and it, it sets us up for so many things. And I had such a similar experience as you in a you know different way it manifested differently but like 
that freedom that we were able to experience in the practice of yoga. I want to get really specific. I want to pull back for the listeners to this piece of language because yes. when you and I had connected, I, I was really moved by the idea of, of just awareness, like you're saying, and, and conflict language and what that is so that we can be aware that we're even doing it. So can you explain conflict language? Yes. So when I talk about the journey and all the transformation that is possible for, for myself, for you, for others, it, that really starts with awareness. Right. And awareness is being, is another way of saying awareness is paying attention and being present <laughs> with what's, what's alive, what's happening. Part of that awareness and that growth and awareness, we can access that through meditation practices uh, stillness and all these different things. And, and over years of practicing that and guiding that, it becomes more clear that I am, I become more sensitive in my body, more sensitive and aware to the present moment experience. And so getting into the, the idea of what is conflict language is it's the subset of our language that we would use in an unconscious way. If we were conscious 100% of the time, there would be, we'd be enlightened beings. And if we were conscious of the impact that um, aware in the moment that conflict language has, then we would, we would use different language. We would use architectural language. And so this conflict language, and this is a thought model of uh, process-oriented vocabulary, conflict language is the, the subset of our language that we use that creates conflict in the body. And it, it's a language that induces a stress response. Right. So a big piece of that is the sensitivity and the recognition that our words influence ourselves physiolo physiologically because our words shape where our attention goes and that directs our energetic experience. And so a simple, we love using the one word game because the one word game helps us understand that if I use, if I say this sentence this way and change a word, there's a, and I take a breath and I really pay attention, meaning I'm aware of the experience of how saying it one way and then saying it another way is different. Then I can start to recognize and become more clear that, wow, the words I use, and if I consciously choose them, they can really work for me. They can work for me and they can work against me. Mm -hmm. So paying attention to how our language works and understanding that there's a, a physiological underpinning and that sensitivity and slowing things down really helps me pay attention to how my words are shaping my behavior and my feelings towards a certain circumstance or events. Mm -hmm. And over time, the language will create a story rather than putting in a lot of soft talk and creating it, creating the, the energetic atmosphere for being ambiguous and vague, mm -hmm. let's put, let's really put it where it is and be accurate with our words so that we, so that we're then compelling ourselves and our attentions to make a clear decision if, when the time comes. So that's a, that's a small piece of what soft talk is. The other two would be negations and projections. The negations are I can't do this or it didn't happen right. or so it's it's this is fascinating because this starts to get into how our language directs our attention. 
So for any of us listening here, if I say, don't think about a purple polar bear, <laughs> and I give you a second to immediately think about it, what happens? Well, if I say, don't do something, then your mind goes to that Oh my thing. gosh, yes, yes. You go to driving school and, and the driving instructor sitting next to you and says, okay, don't look at the telephone pole <laughs> versus keep your eyes on the road, right? I'm so excited to share Yoga Magic's newest sponsor, Interval. So when I made this switch to teaching yoga online when the pandemic hit about a year and a half ago, I found it really clunky. It was hard to navigate Zoom and reminding students to come to class and registration and all the things. And then I found Interval and oh, oh my gosh, it has everything. So now I use Interval because it has all the tools in one spot and helps you build your health and wellness community. It houses class recordings, it can manage payments and memberships, and even has links for playlists that your students can enjoy after class. So if you're a yoga teacher, a coach, maybe an online educator, really of any sort, make sure to check out Interval especially if you've been using Facebook groups or other platforms to build community, this is going to bring it all together in one place. And it's completely invite only. So use the link in my show notes to learn a little bit more and see if teaching online through Interval is the right platform for you. Again, it houses everything you need all in one spot and helps you reach new audiences by making the back end of teaching online super easy. Interval, more information in the show notes. think about this in yoga. It's like when people call out, don't do this pose because it's dangerous or something like that. Like, of course, like that's all you're thinking about in the moment. And as teachers really, I mean, even as like a parent, like using the positive version. Okay. This is landing so well. Thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. That. And it's, and it's really like understanding that our language is incredibly subconscious and 95% of the time we're on autopilot and putting ourselves into that 5% window and and trying to expand that. And then when we are in an expand, expanding that window and paying attention to our present moment experience, learning how the words are shaping the reality and the, uh, the, where our attention goes, doing that over an iterative period of time, allowing us to put back the new way of speaking so that we can then speak you know, on autopilot, but using the, the type of language that is constructive. To give someone an example of when we start to, get, to gather an awareness of how our words influence us, soft talk, negations, and I'll talk about projections in a moment, be very compassionate and understand that the language you've been speaking, you've been practicing your whole life. And of course, it ta- there, there's an inertia and a momentum to that. And the process of unlearning and understanding new way of speaking and the imp- implications it has is a process of awareness and it is a process of awareness and step-by-step paying attention to how, what if I said it differently? Where does my attention go? So the biggest, one of the biggest uh, pieces of my field of interest is how co- the collective and how much we have our ability to be engaged in where our attention is, because that's everything. Our, uh, where our attention is will direct our experience 
of the world. And let's say we have um, a podcast to do or a, uh, an exam or a test of some kind in life, a, a meeting with the, with the boss. And we check in with our body and, and feel what's there. And then there's a sense of, well, there's sensation leading up to that, right? Mm-hmm. What, what is that? And a lot of times we could say that's anxiety or that's nerves, or we could say, am, am I excited about this? And see what, what happens when I question, is that excitement or is that nervous? And then it, without there needing to be one way or the other, simply asking the question and being in our body helps move that energy. So where we're directing our attention is very much influencing how we are moving our energy. There's the yoga, the Sanskrit term drishti, where we put our attention Mm -hmm. and that's where we will go. So the negation part subset of conflict language is very much about the awareness. It's the awareness and the wisdom that where I direct my attention, I'll go there. So if I say don't do something, so putting it into an affirmation, being creative with how we find that in a way that's more accurate. So again, checking in with the body as our litmus test for feeling and and the body will tell me what is more landing because one in one sense, the conflict language is creating constriction and the breath is in our chest. Architecture language puts us in an empowered state. I feel that in my body, my breath is different. My whole physiology is different. I feel like this is, you know, manifestation is from the subconscious. And we know that, that it's not, I mean, we're very powerful beings, but we're not even aware. And I feel like what you're, you're touching on is just the, the subconscious as it, you know, in its physical form, right? Like as we're bringing Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, this is just manifestation and I'm like loving that. I love tying it into tangible things that people can do. Yes. Absolutely. Me too. Because that's what, you know, the whole life, my my whole life is about is, and I really want others to connect with the the superpowers that they have of recognizing Mm -hmm. how much life can be a playground. And yeah, we get the, these ups and downs and challenges and adversity and everything. And with the right attitudinal approach to seeing that is like, there's always an opportunity and a lesson in that. And how am I, what story am I creating around that? Right. So the, the language we talk a lot of, I mean, I talk a lot about specific words because I want people to very much buy in it, through their own experience that words have a big impact. And one of the ways I get people to do that is I put a, st- a statement down, read this out loud, take a breath, put another statement down with one word difference, one word changed, read this out loud, take a breath. Mm-hmm. anything different almost all of the time there's a, a significant difference and w- the one with conflict language is creating a sense of constriction the same thing replaced with an architecture word creates more of an expanded feeling mm-hmm. and it opens up the mo- it really allows us to use our mind in a way that is useful and expanding into opportunity rather than seeing what is wrong with the world or what's mm-hmm. wrong with me Here's a really good example for you guys listening. I encourage you to to say this out loud, take a breath and see what happens. First one, what happens if I fail? So say that out loud, take a breath. What happens if I fail? Get into your body. What is the experience of that? Now let's trade the word if for when. What happens when I fail? You'll say each one of those and you'll get a different experience. 
The second one feels less scary to me because it's like inevitable, right? I will fail, obviously. Right. And then why is that less scary? Because it's going, it's an absolute. There isn't the unknown. I will fail. And what happens when you account for failure? You can plan for it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Our minds are incredible when they're not in the gutter and focused on all the negativity. On the fear. On the, yes. On the fear. Mm -hmm. Our minds are are absolutely incredible things. You know, awareness is not the same thing as mind. Awareness is paying attention to where the mind is and where we are directing our attention, our mind towards. It's going to try and look at that and understand that. So if I say what happens when I fail versus what happens if I fail, what happens if I fail is constricting and it's like, oof, I'm going to fail. What happens when I fail? It's like, I'm going to fail. And when that happens, this is what I'll do. I'm ready. Yeah. Completely different experience in the body. So it's really, this is what I talk about with starting people off is understanding one word creates a physiological difference, a, a, a difference in our nervous system, a difference on where our mind goes in terms of if the mind wants to solve it, mm. if the mind wants to, the mind will inevitably go and expand into what it is that that attention is calling towards. And if I take that and I, and I get people to experience and buy in, okay, yeah, my words matter. So if I can go from that statement to this statement, and there's a significant difference in there, then we've been on this call for 45, 50 minutes. I've said a lot of words, a lot. I'm speaking a lot throughout any given part of the day. And I'm thinking a lot throughout any given part of the day. So understanding that, yeah, the words make a difference. Now let's weave that into the, the bigger picture of things in that our words are, we're making our stories out of our words. Mm-hmm. So we can have a moment in life um, in the past, like uh, it could be, we could call it a, a traumatic experience that we shaped our whole life because we told ourselves a story that is one small piece of what happened and what our perception is of what happened around that event. And that we carry that with us in our physiology, in our body, until I, you meet someone like me and I say, write it down, read it out loud, breathe, feel the feelings that are associated with it. And let's change some of the words and see if we can reflect that experience that you had that was very much real in a more accurate way or see different perspectives on that experience effectively changing the past because if we see a if we see an event in the past if we see it differently and it and what seeing it differently allows for us to completely unlock so many different ideas and possibilities mm-hmm. around it then for me that's as good as getting in a time machine and saying changing things around like that's the whole nervous system changes the whole um you know identity starts to change around that can you just explain projection before we go? Because I don't want that to get messed up just briefly. No, we're going to do it. <laughs> projection. Let's say, finish the statement, he did that to me, or he isn't, she didn't, they couldn't. All of these words, the he, she, they, or it, is me using language to, in many cases, put responsibility onto an external object, external something outside of Mm -hmm. me. So how about this? She made me feel like an idiot. 
And if I would put that sentence, if somebody said that to me, I'd say, okay, write that down. She made me feel like an idiot. Of course, there's a story around that. Like there's a, there's events leading up to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simply put, put that down, then change out she for I, I made me feel like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Have somebody say that out loud. And it, what happens is the mind will look for the reason and take the responsibility back and say, how did I make my, myself feel like an idiot? Or did I feel like an idiot? Or what I'm using this as an example, the mind will go into ways for accepting the responsibility for the situation and realizing different possibilities for, instead of externalizing it, instead of making it about them. Projection is, the, is often the most prickly with people because we, we have really bought into the belief that other people influence us. When in reality, if we start looking at the, the language and, and how we talk to ourselves, we get, the, we get the sensory input from that other person's being, their language, their body language, mm-hmm. um, you know, everything like that. And then we, we take that through our lens of perception and our stories about ourselves and we make meaning of that. And, and through that influence our experience around it. So two people can be in a very same situation. And if they have different um, lenses of experience, then the same stimulus of what somebody says can create a completely different output for each person in terms of how they experience that how situation, they mm-hmm. how they interpret it. Right. This makes me think of the Brene Brown practice of saying like the story that I'm telling myself is that you are ignoring me or whatever. Like when you actually say this, bring, bring the onus back on yourself. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it's so like, it, it's such a great way to, I feel like bring that responsibility back and then resolve whatever issue, but you know, whatever um, issues happening between these two people or the situation, but yeah, I mean, it's responsibility, right? It's it's 100%. And what happens with, with responsibility is that we really start to meet ourselves where we are. Mm -hmm. And so you bring up Brene Brown, which I love because her work on vulnerability is so much that very thing is meeting ourselves where we are because when we blame another or cast responsibility outside of ourselves we're we're enabling the story that we are that we don't have power over that experience and we're enabling the story that that external things influence us and we're doing that very much in a way so often to protect ourselves from the vulnerability of feeling the unresolved parts of us that are triggered by that experience. Mm-hmm. So in any given conflict, when the other person says something and I get triggered into, you know, an emotional experience around that, and I blame them for creating for that what they said made me feel that way, or what they did made me do that thing, then I'm effectively evading meeting myself where I am, which is where the vulnerability is <laughs> and seeing the, the truth of that. Now that is absolutely one of the richest experiences we can have. And also going back to more of the beginning of our conversation, it, it is that difficult moment of reckoning that brings up the emotional, the, the more sticky or prickly Um, experiences in life that we can call them challenging. But if I allow myself to really go into that experience rather than making it about them, then I get all the transformation out of it. 
Mm. And so then that whole, mm-hmm. that whole thing, the, the whole dynamic, the whole conversation becomes a blessing. It becomes something like, thank you for the arguments. Thank you for the, for that whole thing that we went through that finally I took responsibility for. And I found out how that, you know, connected with something that happened with me way earlier down the line. And now I no longer let that have power over me because mm-hmm. I, I've, I've learned energetically, I've learned that lesson. So one of the things I want everyone listening to really take home is to put this into practice. It is one thing to listen and to get the insights. That's so beautiful. Try actioning, saying things differently, using the the model of, of translating conflict language into architect language. So the translation for the projection is a reflection. So what is it about me? Make, make put put I in that statement. Put me in that statement. Here's what happens when we have a, a, an ego and a mind that is invested in the current story. Then you hearing me that you hearing me say this, or if you remember what I say in in the applicable circumstance, the mind will go into like understanding mode and think that it knows the experience versus actually saying it out loud one way, saying it out loud another way and feeling how different it is and seeing what happens when we say it out loud and feel it, what else happens in that process. So very much this language work around conflict language and where we are putting our attention is so much about recapturing, first of all, our agency, our ability to choose in the present moment, how we're using our language. Also very much about empowering us to take ownership of our life and feel this beautiful, like really beautiful opportunity to create our life and Mm. understand that the stories that we have, they're they're all malleable. The, the this identity, what I call myself and everything about it is malleable. Having the vulnerability and to open that up and to soften that up and be willing to co-create with life rather than thinking I know, I spent a lot of my life, years, thinking, uh, being in the position of I know something and cutting myself off from all the unknown because it's the unknown is in, intrinsically, we can be afraid of it or we can be excited about it different different approaching to it. So using our language to walk ourselves into a path of more integrity and more responsibility be, because it, it it's a richer, more delicious life to live, in my opinion. When we are taking ownership and co-creating with life, it's far more exciting than when I am creating blame or being ambiguous about what I really want to have happen or my lack of, of knowing around that. I can be ambiguous about that too. And also focusing on what can't can't happen, what didn't happen, what won't happen, et cetera. All of these things could be moved over in a way that I'm taking responsibility. I'm putting my attention towards possibility and I'm being as clear as I can with meeting myself where I am and taking one step at a time. And in this way, I'm much more moving my whole being from concerning itself with an outcome or with an achievement, so much more am I resting in the process and enjoying the process? Because that's something that also eluded me for a very long time is how can I enjoy the process? Because I've, my whole language is directing my attention towards an outcome and what, that, what I perceive that to mean 
rather than meeting myself where I am and being and really being a living process and co-creating myself along the way. Mm-hmm. This is like, people are going to love this. I just, I feel like it is really, it gets so obvious yet not, right? Like we haven't sat and thought about this. So yes. how can people work with you? I want you to shout yourself out, connect with you, because I, I think some individual coaching for people would be so great for listeners that are wanting to improve in this area. Where can they find you? Thank you. Thank you so much. I love working with people one-on-one. And if you find me on my website, Hefe Living, J-E-F-E Living.com and send me an email, I am more than happy to connect with you and we can go on a, a call together to see if a coaching um, arrangement works for you. And w- the coaching is is expansive. Like the the work I've done around self-development and in the spiritual world, bringing it back into the language and very much or healing unresolved things. And then also putting focus to what we want to create is all on the table with coaching. I also bring a lot of the language work into yoga trainings because I think that Mm. yoga teachers understanding the mechanics of the law of attraction and, and really connecting with the embodiment of it is very, is, is it invaluable because it's, it's, connecting in with what we're trying to, what we want our students to embody and to mm-hmm. like, if we want to help other people, teaching them ways they can help themselves. For me, that's the best way to do it. Right. Right. Oh, so cool. The website, email me or connect with me on Instagram at Hefe, J-E-F-E underscore A-F is my, uh, me being me <laughs> A-F. And the, the, my name is Jeff and Hefe is a nickname and it in Spanish, like I, before I even knew it was boss or leader or chief in Spanish, people called me Hefe and I just thought it was Jeff and they were making Hefe out of Jeff. And I decided to make my brand Hefe Living because it is very much this taking responsibility. Mm. It is very much this reclaiming our life and our power and walking our path with that vulnerability and that integrity. So that's so much of what I believe in and what I do for myself. Like that's, that's what I continue to do for myself as well. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your time today, Jeff. This was so interesting. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in today, everyone. Thanks to Jeff for sharing all this amazing insight on our language. And thanks to our show sponsor, Interval. More information on Interval, on Jeff, and the Yoga Magic community can be found in the show notes. And make sure you're following along on Instagram at at Yoga Magic Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.